hitting the next level. Hitting the next level. Hitting the next level. So humble hopes that I happen to have a PhD in NXT and That's what makes you just you and me, me. But enough about me. I'm here on the Hacker Hameen Media Group and the Wrestling World Podcast Network. To take NXT to that next level. To take each and every one of you to that next level. Say so yeah. What don't you understand? Nobody is level you are the john cena of wrestling fans there is one and only next level i came here to take over next level i need to ask myself is it worth it yeah yeah it's worth it next level Anything that you can do, next level, can do better. Believe me. Yeah, just like that. Something I noticed about Morrow's commentary tonight is, is as funny as all of his references are, the best is when they don't land at all, and he's just like in the moment, and he's just talking, and you could tell he's just coming up with you on the fly. And he's like, "Yeah, Edge and Christian had the concerto. This is a, it's a conlatero. That it doesn't, it doesn't sound so good." And you're like. <laughs> Like what? Even had a mandala effect on tonight's show. What? Yeah. Do you ever remember Tyler Breeze finishing a match with an unprettier? I remember it being a thing, but I don't remember him ever winning a match with it. Like, he hit the unprettier, and they were just like, it's over! He's put everybody down with that move! And I'm like... (laughs) Do you think Christian's in the ring right now? Yeah, and now? then they basically like half sold the the beauty shot when he actually hit it. You know, it was just oh. And then Velveteen Dream cheats to win the match, and we get a show of respect at the end because that makes yeah. sense. The new, more aggressive, you know, more focused Tyler Breeze was totally cool with all this. <laughs> like what? No. no, 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 on so many levels. All right, well, let, no. let's roll right into it here. Um, sure. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, hitting the next level, as we're calling it. Uh, this is a, a conglomeration of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, the Monday Locker Room, the Wednesday Locker Room, and the Next Level Wrestling Podcast, both on HackerHameen.Podbean.com and HittingTheMarks.Podbean.com. Is that it? Is that HittingTheMarks.Podbean.com? You don't even need the .podbean.com anymore. Like, we're, we're, we're all special and stuff. We just have hittingthemarks.com. Oh. We're all professional and stuff over at the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Wow. Now. Okay, they have their own website. But do you have a million downloads? We're working okay, on it. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, so <laughs> a, little, a little ribbon early on here on Hitting the Next Level. I, of course, am your resident god of thunder, the Andrew Bello, and I have a PhD in, in NXT, as was handed to me by BRV. And I am here with my cohort on Hameen Media. He is from the Monday Locker Room. He is from the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. One of the godfathers of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Network now. Over at HittingTheMarks.com. He is 
Michael Jargo. Mr. Jargo, what's going on, man? Mr. Bellow, it's always a pleasure when we get together after these takeovers because it's really the only time that we ever it's talk. True. I mean, we may exchange a text message here and there, but we never actually get to sit down and talk about wrestling. It's it's one of the things that I so look forward to on these takeover shows. That, And I also look forward to the fact that it's only a two-and-a-half-hour show, and I don't have to plan the next two days around sitting watching a show for five hours, maybe six hours. Hell, if it's WrestleMania, maybe seven hours. Oh, seven eight who knows uh, at, at some point it'll be an eight hour show two of them going on simultaneously from different locations on the globe but uh, in saudi arabia i don't i don't know what you're talking about um i thought it was important to point out that that takeover 25 which we'll be talking about in a minute was brought to us by the national highway traffic safety administration i just figured that was worth pointing out because it was so goddamn odd it was such a weird beginning to the show um but we're completely fuck it we'll say this that this hitting the next level is also brought to you by the national highway traffic safety administration because they can use the rub frankly like why not and it is important to like wear seatbelts and stuff. I like. Does anybody not wear a seatbelt anymore? A like your belt. car screams at you. I don't buy cars that scream really. You at don't me. wear seatbelts in New Jersey. I wear them on occasion. I wear them mostly for fear of getting a ticket and not so much for fear of getting into an accident. Yeah, that that's yeah. fair. I mean, like I, I guess my car is just so new that like even if my five year old is sitting in the back seat not wearing a seatbelt, it screams at yeah. me. It's like, hey motherfucker, put on that seatbelt. Yeah, I've been lucky enough to not have cars that scream at me, I guess. So that that's been a nice bonus. But as well as Are you rolling in like a nineteen eighty two drop top no, caddy? I'm rolling in like a two thousand what is it? eighteen Nissan Sentra. So yeah, it's not You should have went with the drop top caddy. I should have went with the drop top caddy. No, I want I want a Monte Carlo like a like from that damn Denzel movie, which one is it? The, the, the one he won the Academy Award for. Training Day. I want that car. Uh, that was a great It was movie. a great movie. Yeah, I feel like it was It was like the least deserving of all of Denzel's acting roles for an Oscar. But nonetheless, he got it. Good for him. Um, you mentioned before how, how much of a joy it is to talk to me after these takeovers. I obviously will reciprocate that. And another thing I like about these takeovers is every so often, the theme song reminds me of a band that I didn't know existed anymore. Under Oath. Brought this, brought this, uh, this, this theme song for Takeover. Uh, any thoughts on Under Oath? Uh, I don't have many thoughts on Under Oath. Uh, although I did think that it was hilarious that as we're sitting there watching Takeover, my five-year-old looks at me and she goes, "Who sings this song?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Under Oath." And she goes, "I like this song." Nice. So I guess Under Oath reaching a whole new demographic thanks to professional wrestling. You, you, you got the five-year-olds on lock. Next thing you know, AFI is going to make a return. Wow. Ooh, that'd be interesting. A couple of a couple of takeovers ago, it was Disturbed that apparently is still making new music, and I couldn't even couldn't even wrap my head around that. So here we are with Andra. Random fact. Yeah. Random fact. Uh, David Draymond's brother, Ben, is actually a pianist in Israel and makes some of the most beautiful music that you've ever heard. Wow. Okay. It's fantastic. I'm going to have to look. It's up. like super softcore, just like him and a piano. Sounds sounds delightful. I'm going to have to check that out. Um, I don't know if you happen to be listening to, actually, I'm sure you did, um, the, the, the PW Hustle on your very platform over there. They were talking about the supposed conspiracy theory that the takeover that we're about to watch is all as a response, a direct response to Double or Nothing, being that it came from completely out of nowhere. I think the professor was unfortunately actually correct on this and saying that no, there's always a takeover around this time. But any 
any uh, you know logic to the placement here because last year it was part of the Money in the Bank weekend, and this year it just feels very different. Well, it's normally Takeover Chicago. I've right. been at Takeover Chicago one and Takeover Chicago two. We were expecting Takeover Chicago. Chicago three and it will be coming, but it's not coming until November. We're getting war games in Chicago Ooh, this year. Okay. So that left an opening for this takeover. Now, my understanding of what happened was this was originally supposed to be takeover San Jose. And that was moved to, because that show was supposed to be next weekend. And, you know, a certain company is going to a certain unknown land next weekend. And thanks to <laughs> production issues and whatnot, instead, they just moved takeover. And they didn't want to call it takeover Bridgeport because, let's face it, Bridgeport <laughs> sucks. Bridgeport. So we just called it takeover 25 instead. Yeah, takeover 25. It, it worked out. What would they have called it if it fall, if it fall uh, on any other random number? Like takeover 28 for some random awful reason. Because Bridgeport, I guess. I mean, you nailed it there. That 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 does kind of work out. I think they should have done Takeover Jetta. Fuck it, just why not? Just go out, go over there. Just <laughs> how awesome is it that next week the WWE is going to put a Jewish man in the middle of a ring against the personification of death <laughs> and have him kill him? in the middle of the ring in Saudi fucking Arabia. Yes. Bill Goldberg, I think <laughs> Hamid said King of the Jews. The Jew versus the Grim <laughs> Reaper the Jews, in Saudi Bill Arabia. Goldberg rolling into Saudi Arabia. It's amazing. Sami Zayn can't go. Bill Goldberg rolling in strong up against death. <laughs> Kill all the Jews in Saudi Arabia. It's... That's the message the WWE is sending. Wow. Can't wait to see all the Undertaker like Nazi memes or under <laughs> Undertaker in a burka memes. <laughs> oh my god, are those oh druids god. or are those just women? I can't tell. Uh, so all right, so <laughs> let's get into this takeover uh, because I we're going to run ourselves into some trouble if we continue this conversation. Uh, Mad Riddle and uh, Roderick Strong open up the show. This was a little bit of a surprise on my end. I, I was called the order a little earlier in the week at least i thought i did and apparently i was dead wrong i've had this peg for the third match of the night but we open up with riddle versus strong they kind of do the the new japan in order of importance card order for the night i kind of appreciated that and uh you know roddy works the back riddle sells the back i thought there was far too many near falls but other than that this was a spectacular opening match what did you think about it sir well, a couple of things. All right. Number one, we had the light issue at the beginning of the match and everybody was like, what in the mm -hmm. hell is going on here? And uh, immediately I thought I was watching Evolution all over again. Did you notice how dark they had that crowd? Like, I don't know if this show didn't sell well, so they were like black out the crowd. Yeah, no, I didn't. I, I didn't get a good enough look at it at any point, but they were doing kind of the the main event lighting for virtually the entire night, which was interesting. Um, I thought that was sort of even early on. Some of the camera work was kind of reminiscent of a of a slightly more amateurish way that they would do it than normal, um, which isn't bad in any way. But it just it kind of felt almost in a way like I was watching Double or Nothing there for a second. I uh, I really enjoy this match as long as you don't watch the weekly NXT TV show and as long as you completely ignore the commentary because the commentary team of Mauro Ranallo, Nigel McGuinness, and Beth Phoenix absolutely pissed me off during this match. 
Bello, the entire story going into this match was Matt Riddle's ribs were hurt. Right. Right? The Undisputed Era had went to town on Matt Riddle's ribs. At no point during this match did the commentary team talk about it, and at no point during this match did Matt Riddle act or sell like his ribs were injured. I mean, immediately he's coming out there and he's giving Roddy like the the three amigos of gut busters. And I'm just going... Dude, if you got hurt ribs and you're deadlifting somebody for not one, not two, but three gut wrenches, you're going to feel it. And I was just like, the psychology for this entire thing is wrong. Like, I like the match as like a standalone match. If you don't watch the weekly TV show, if all you do is tune in to takeovers, but actually watching the weekly TV show, I was like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, I, I actually had forgotten about it because they did no sell it so much on commentary there. Um, but coming into it, I, I kind of I, I had I'd predicted the Undisputed Era would run the gambit here tonight. And when this didn't happen early on, I kind of took the wind out of my sails for the night. I mean, obviously, we got a little bit of an upswing for them at the end here. Um, but but this match, I thought, like you said, was was good in a vacuum almost if you take it apart from the fact that they kind of ignored all the storytelling running up to it. It, it was exactly what I figured it was going to be. It was kind of just your your PWG, um, you know, just spots and spots kind of match. It wasn't anything like high risk or anything crazy, but you get Roddy goes on those hot tag runs where he just gets in a million moves, uh, Cesaro, you know, style, kind of almost like Mario getting the gold star runs. And uh, with with these two, I, the, my, my biggest complaint, like I said, there was kind of too many near falls in all this. You got these guys are just fucking killing each other in the opening match. We've got four matches to go and there, there needs to be a certain element of, you know, <laughs> these moves hurt and they might knock you out. We don't really get that here. But that's, I, I, you know, to, to, to pick on that is almost to pick on NXT itself. It's always like that. But, uh, you know, in it, in the greater context, I thought that was something to just keep in mind. Is this the best match that Roderick Strong has had inside of NXT? Oh, what was that first takeover match that he had where he just fucked everybody up? Him against Eric Young, where he just like destroyed all of Sanity. I think that's probably his best match on a takeover, definitely. Um, but he had he had a couple of good ones along the way. He had the match with Hideo Itami on NXT TV that was just amazing. Um, and I can't think of the other one, but I I know it's it's on the tip of my tongue, and I'm gonna forget it. So let's move past it. I kind of. <laughs> I kind of feel like Roddy's been a little bit lost ever since he joined Undisputed Era. Like, even when Bobby Fish was injured, he was still the fourth most important member of Undisputed Era. I never thought that he really fed in. I thought that that should have been Mike Bennett's spot. Ooh, okay. Um, but I, I, I think Roddy has done a pretty good job as far as this heel character goes. But it's really nice to see him back in singles competition instead of playing second fiddle to Kyle O'Reilly, who, to me, absolutely stole this show. But we'll talk um, about that yeah. in a couple of minutes. Yeah, Kyle O'Reilly had a showing tonight. I I really enjoyed O'Reilly with Strong as much as uh, we've seen O'Reilly team with all three of these guys for a significant period of time now at this point. And I actually enjoyed it the most with, with Strong. I thought they had kind of a really good chemistry go. Not to say that he doesn't with the other two, which he obviously does. Um, but I, I was really enjoying those matches for a while with Fish out. And now uh, to seeing him in singles competition, it looks like um, you know, well, spoiler alert, Adam Cole wins the NXT title at the end of the night, and now they're starting to finally accumulate some gold. So maybe we see Roddy Strong versus the Velveteen Dream at some point in the not too distant future for that mid card title, and that'll be fun. Now, one thing that I think this is kind of brought up is this issue inside of NXT. Like I said, if if you watch the weekly show, we have this one story. 
And then we get to the live takeover, and it's something completely different. Bella, before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about AEW mm-hmm. and Double or Nothing, and you had brought up the idea of AEW being on Wednesday nights, which is absolutely what I expect is going to happen. So is this going to force NXT to go live? Because AEW is going to be live. Is this going to be like a WCW, (laughs) WWE thing where they're just like, you know what? You can watch NXT whenever the hell you want. But this, this is live and anything can happen and you don't know the reason. Does this force NXT to go live? That would be really cool if it did. Unfortunately, I think they're more likely to just move to Thursdays. Like, I think they'll just move the day because it doesn't really make a difference. Like you said, it's sort of an on-demand thing anyway. um, Aren't they selling then? Aren't they are, aren't they selling for AEW if they change the time slot? Unless they do it now, they are and they are, and, and I mean, so it doesn't look so obvious. True, it, it's you know, it's on a different scale. You're talking your streaming service with your built-in audience of people who will ultimately watch it anyway, in all likelihood, versus TNT. You know, it's not it's not exactly on the on a level playing field there. I think it might just make sense for them to cave on that front. Maybe they add other programming maybe they move and they keep nxt uk on wednesdays they move nxt to thursdays something along those lines just to fuck my schedule up so please don't do that uh that would that would piss me off royally if they'd moved uh, them to consecutive days but yeah i i think there's definitely going to be an element of you could even have aew being like right now on nxt television you can have you could be watch roderick strong lose to uh to to keith lee but right here on aew we're live son <laughs> I mean, you could kind of see it happening. I saw a couple of shots at AEW throughout this show. Number one would be uh, Marl Ronaldo actually calling a V-trigger in an NXT match. I very much enjoyed yeah. that. We also saw a lion tamer in this True. match. We saw, uh, who was it? Was it EO maybe that uh, hit the um, uh, lion salt? Uh, Velveteen Dream hit a lion salt at one point. Oh, Velveteen Dream hit yeah. the lion salt. You know, Velveteen Dream, EO Sheree, they look yeah, pretty much the same, same person. Similar, similar they're, they're styles. They were both sparkly. Yeah. They were both sparkly tonight. I could see how I could uh, confuse the two of them. Were you expecting a big AEW response? Because I wasn't. You know, me and Rick talked about this on the Hitting the Marks show this week. And it was just like, just go out and do exactly. you. Like, NXT take, take over. They knock these things out of the park consistently. Just... Go out and do what it is that you do. Yeah. And I think this was a great show. I happened to, to read a couple of the quotes from Triple H on the conference call about this event. And uh, while his answers were very much what you would expect them to be, I think there was a lot of truth in them and that he's not really all that worried about it. He's going to go out there and do NXT. NXT takeovers are a brand that's it's no miss. You are guaranteed two hours of fucking awesome wrestling, no matter what, 25 times out of 25 times legitimately at this point. So, you know, he he was just going to go out there and do it. And it's also a completely different ballgame. We're looking at a five-match card versus, you know, this big super indie spectacle of all these different guys coming in for all these different matches. And uh, again, it's on a, it's on a different scale, even um, in the same way that the TVs could be. So uh, I wasn't expecting a big response here at the end of the day. I'm surprised they referenced it stuff as much as they did. Maybe Morrow figures he could slip in V trigger and no one's going to know the difference. And um, you know, it was what it was, but uh, it's funny. This, all these guys are friends, you know, like Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick struggle. All these guys, they're calling the bucks and the Bucks are calling them, and they're talking about all this shit. Um, but it, I guess there could be some more barbs thrown. We'll see how the TV deal works out. It might, like you said, force NXT to respond at a certain point. Let's hope so. Yeah. I mean, no matter how you slice it, it's exciting. 
you know, and it gives up people like us stuff to talk about. Yeah. And it's it, it's we're all I'm already getting worked within works with the, you know, even the Sami Zayn thing. I'm like, all right, maybe he said it. Maybe he wasn't supposed to say it either way. It's sort of interesting. <laughs> like that's kind of... And the answer to your question is yes, yes exactly. Yes. What, what was it in the script? Yes. Did he go off script? Yes. <laughs> Just the, the answer to your question is no yes. matter what Sami Zayn's doing what Sami Zayn does, even if it's exactly what he's supposed to do. Well, I think what happened is th- those were shoot questions. I think those were not plants. Those were shoot questions. Really? And I think they were expecting somebody to ask an AEW question. Oh, wow. They're really running some rough territory there. Cause what if they asked about Saudi fucking Arabia? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> that could have been a real problem. Exactly. That's why I figured there was no way. Especially those of questions. somebody like Sami Zayn. But I think what the thing is, my understanding is Sammy had a real good response, like pre-programmed response for the AEW thing. And when it didn't come up, he felt obligated to bring right. it up. And then it just didn't and work. So he we was got... probably supposed to no-sell it. Like, oh, why are you going to go to AEW? He'd be like, where? Huh? Who? That t-shirt company? What? <laughs> like, t-shirt company. The Love that. What is this? I don't know. Um, but yeah, all right. So let's <laughs> fucking. This is not the AEW hitting the next level hitting <laughs> uh, podcast. But uh, let's move into the number two match here. I again was was sort of bamboozled by this pick here for the match order. I had the Dream and Breeze here in this spot because Velveteen Dream has only ever once before this wrestled in a match other than the second spot on the card in NXT Takeover. So I figured this was just sort of his bag at this point. But we get the tag match, the four-way ladder match. It's got the Forgotten Sons, uh, Red Dragon, the Street Profits, and I'm already forgetting. The, oh, the one-two punch. How can I forget? One, two, My babies. I forgot about them. But uh, yeah, so it was, it was a fucking train wreck of a match. For some reason, Gunner came out, killed everybody, and then got killed by everybody. It was very odd. It was Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Gunner, King of the Monsters, if you will. And at the end of the day... An interesting pick here. I'll, I'll say this. I was excited for these guys, but the Street Profits are our NXT Tag Team Champions. Sort of makes me wish that just War Raiders just fucking put them over, but how do you feel about all this? I don't get it. I just, I don't understand it. I mean, number one, Undisputed Era looked freaking great in this match. Kyle O'Reilly okay. and Bobby Fish absolutely carried this entire match. Kyle O'Reilly sold his freaking ass I don't think off. it was selling. I think he was just in pain. Well, there was a couple of those that were extreme oversells that were Kyle O'Reilly at his absolute finest. Where do you stand with Kyle O'Reilly? Do you like Kyle O'Reilly or do you hate Kyle O'Reilly? Because it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of middle it's ground. It's funny. I'm in the middle, man. I, I There's times that I love Kyle O'Reilly, mostly when he's wrestling. I, I'm not a particular fan of the personality, although there are times where he's making a face or he's doing something weird or he's playing the the belt as a guitar which sort of pisses me off in a roundabout way but there 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 are oh, there are it. moments where I'm like damn now I get it but Kyle O'Reilly um after watching Finn Balor at Money in the Bank said hold my fucking beer <laughs> and he made Finn Balor's Money in the Bank look like a literal walk in the park this was brutal the fact that this man can even walk at the end of the night they all come out and Bobby Fish's arm is in a sling and Kyle O'Reilly's walking normally what the fuck is this guy made of 
I don't know, man. And I've seen him do it a hundred times where he just takes the biggest ass weapon that you've ever seen and he's totally fine. It's it's absolutely insane to me. Uh, as as far as the street profits going over, I'm I'm 100 with you. I wish the artist formerly known as War Machine would have just put him over. Um, it's very very sad what has happened to our fallen Viking experience Raider machine. Yes, the, the Nordic it, kerfuffle. Yeah. It it it's just embarrassing, man. Uh, but I feel like this is a full on reboot of the NXT tag team division at a certain point. I was wondering like, is undisputed era going up? Yeah. Like, like, like Roddy, you know, he goes down to Matt Riddle and and then we see these guys carry this match and, and lose. And I'm like, Oh damn. There was an element of me thinking that they would pull it out and that like the two championship wins, they would get those and Roddy didn't pull his weight and that could further the, the, the divide a little bit until he ultimately proves himself and gets that fourth belt. But, um, yeah, I mean, once, once Roddy lost, there was also an element of it that kind of took the wind out of the sails for me, as far as red dragon winning this match. And uh, it, it was it was fun. Don't get me wrong. I like the Street Profits, so I'm super happy they won. But if they could have just held off and and done Street Profits versus War Raiders one, because the first match they had on NXT was really fun. And if they could have stretched that out to 15 minutes in a first time clash, maybe the War Raiders were just ducking them because they were so beneath them or whatever the fuck. And then ultimately they get that shot. You get Montez Ford attacking them right before they even make the entrance like he did in the first match they had on NXT television. And they could have put them over that way. I thought it would have done them a lot better. But I'm with you. I feel like this is a bit of a reset for the tag division. The, these are the four teams. Are, is there anybody else coming? Are, are, is there a team potentially forming? Could we get the Dream and the Breeze together, perhaps? Oh, we'll talk about that train wreck. <laughs> I, I, number one, I just, I don't like the Forgotten Sons, oh, and awful. like I don't, I don't mean that in a good heel kind of mm-hmm. way. You know, like I don't like Shayna Baszler in the best sort of way. Um, I, I, I just, I don't have any interest in these guys. Like the only reason I remember Wesley Blake's name is because of Blake and Murphy. The other guy I don't care about. The 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 big guy I still call Gunner. Right. Me too. You know, and it, I refuse to like, call him Jackson Riker. I feel like it's like just piling on to already shitty situations that he's been put in by NXT. This faction is just yeah, like you said, it's just uninteresting top to bottom. We're talking I mean, we're talking about two guys they picked up off the scrap heap to be fucking goons for a guy that you know has has, was given a stupid name and apparently is is his only job is to no sell everything the guy yeah (laughs) i mean it's just he he just no sells everything i get that he's big he's strong he's intense he's all that stuff but he's not the goddamn terminator at least not yet let's build you know to that i guess to a point and then you have Lorcan and Birch, who I like. I mean, that I thought the matchup with them and Undisputed Era at TakeOver Chicago when Oni Lorcan got his orbital mm-hmm. broke, I thought that was like a real breakout match right. for them. And then ever since Oni Lorcan came back, it's kind of fallen flat. And now Oni Lorcan is showing up on 205 Live, which is basically like the kiss of death. Yeah. They haven't really done anything on NXT TV. I would have even rather just had War Machine in this match rather than having one-two punch in there because I didn't feel like they even belong there to begin with. And then you have the Street Profits. This is their first takeover. They've never been on takeover yeah, before, that, which that just weird. blew Me my too. mind. 
and you have Montez Ford, who was an absolute freaking star, mm-hmm. and then you have the other yeah. guy. Oh. And and that's just how I feel about the street problem. I don't know if I've pitched this idea to you yet, but it that that very description can also be attributed to the heavy machinery over on SmackDown. What do you say we get Otis and Montez together and we cut the fat on the other two? Call him salt and pepper. Something like that. My God, the the charisma. There's not there's not a it could come out to push it. <laughs> that would be Oh my god, I'm already getting the Otis dancing to push it. Yes, let's make that happen, people. I absolutely support that. But Montez Ford is a freaking oh, star, yeah. man. He's a spot monkey from hell, but he, he just oozes charisma. The dude gets more height on a frog splash than I think I've ever seen in my life. Like, it, it is amazing how high. he, he Like, he, I would say he, he couldn't wrestle in PWG at the Veterans Hall. Like, he would hit those lights every time. It would be very bad. He done, but it's total spot monkey wrestling. It is to a degree because you know that's all I mean? he does is like he just comes in, he does a dive, he comes in, he does a you know he does a, a, a an like elbow. You can tell he's just a gymnast, but he needs to learn how to wrestle because I, he is the total package. If you can have the total package without being able to wrestle, yeah. No, you're right. He's definitely got to fine tune his his in ring psychology, I guess, a little bit. But that, I guess, to a degree, with the tag team, the way that it's set up, like that's what Dawkins is for is to kind of do all that shit where he's supposed to just come in and be goofy, hit those spots, and yell so that the crowd can yell back at him. Which uh, I guess that's his three go tos, three moves of doom. There you go, Montez Ford. Is does that include the stir it up? Oh no, that's the other guy. Yeah, right? he the other guy stirs it up. He's got he's got two Dawkins, right? He's got two headbands yeah. and shit. Yeah. Yeah. What's up with the two headbands? Do you know anybody else rocking two headbands? Uh, not intentionally. Well, there you go. That's his. That's his thing. That's how he's standing out. It's that, and he's Mont. LeBron's hairline keeps going like that. He might end up wearing two headbands. He just he wakes up every morning hoping that intergender wrestling doesn't become a thing because then he'd be replaced by Bianca Belair. Lickety split. Dude, that would be an awesome tag yeah, team. Their husband and wife. Not not to go too far off, but how great was the finish of Bianca Belair? And Mia Yim, when she, like, wrapped her hair around the middle rope Hated and it. used that for leverage. Oh, I freaking Dude, loved it. there was no leverage. It was absolute nonsense. At no point in time was that hair actually aiding her in that pin attempt whatsoever. Well, no. Suspension no, disbelief, no, no. Bella. I could suspend my disbelief on a, on a pulled punch and, uh, you know, on a... On a six one nine, I can't pull my suspension of disbelief when it comes to just basic physics. There was nothing helping. It's nonsense. I hate it. The best suspension of disbelief I've seen this week was Tessa Blanchard whipping the shit out of the Disco Inferno. No, nah, I could believe that. That was fantastic. That's an interesting one minute. Yeah, it's a, well, that's an interesting whipping, literally, or. Like she just plain like knocked his oh, ass out. Okay, man. I'm picture I'm picturing like literal whipping, like Indiana Jones shit. That'd be weird. That that would pull more than like 876 viewers I for would, Impact. I would think so. There you go. Cheap shot at MSG. There's any Impact Stooges out there? Get that. Get that to television. Just MSG. Just MSG. <laughs> All right. Well, I mentioned Dream and Breeze before as a potential tag team. They are both quite fashionable and charismatic. Machismo is not the word I would use necessarily. While Morrow did, I think there's a there's a certain element of masculinity to Machismo, where both of these characters have a have a slight effeminence to them. Anyway, Dream versus Breeze uh, for the North American NXT title. What did you think about all this nonsense? I I thought there was a lot of nonsense. Yeah, I figured. 
I got, um, got, got that vibe inside already. of this match. Uh, number one, Tyler Breeze should have won this match. There's, there's absolutely no question. Um, unless this was just a one-off. Like, I, Supposedly he's on the roster now. Right. If Tyler went back to NXT, I thought that Tyler Breeze should have won this match just to establish his credibility again inside of NXT. And I thought that it would be believable because I knew that he could go with the Velveteen Dream. At least I thought that he could until he had his eardrum blown out and i'm pretty sure that's what was causing the blood in his yeah that's what i mean i hope it's just that because god knows it could be worse but yeah that was that was slightly disturbing at some point during this match but overall this was pretty much as entertaining as i was expecting it to be you got the two personality clashes i wasn't expecting this to be as good of a wrestling match as it turned out to be um prince pretty is obviously no slouch in that department but even he kind of kicked it up a notch dreams work has been you know a, a, a step towards solid from shaky it's not it's somewhere between it depends on on the opponent sometimes it seems but this was a good matchup here now i'm i was almost hoping that at the end here we got tyler breeze kind of turning on him and uh really going heel just to get this match again because i i thought this was really well done and i thought it was unfortunate like you kind of said that breeze comes back to nxt only to just do a job and is probably going to stick around and that's a really shitty spot to be in my question, once this match was over, I wondered if this was a test for Velveteen Dream. We know that Tyler was kind of that finishing guy where right before you would go to the main roster, you would face off with Tyler Breeze. That was the, yeah. the way the formula was, just like you open your NXT career with a match with Cassius Ono. That's <laughs> kind of where they, yep. they they gauge where you stand against Ono, and before you go to the main roster, you finish with Tyler. I, I kind of wondered if that's what was going on here. Um, but I don't think that that's going to be the case with the finish that we got. What I don't understand. So Velveteen Dream grabs the title, brings it into the ring. Tyler wrestles it away from him, tosses it to the ref. Dream hits his finish, pins Prince Pretty, one, two, three. And then afterwards, they take a selfie together, mm-hmm. like a sign of respect, <laughs> like to the point that we're considering putting them together as a tag yes. team. Like Tyler Breeze should be freaking pissed. Mm-hmm. Especially he grabbed the phone during the beatdown, like even on the outside. He was he was he was streaming live to his, his Instagram, I suppose. I don't know what how these things work. I only have a Twitter and I don't even want that. I mean, I even wrote in my notes here. Was this a turn for Velveteen Dream? Because like this is clearly like a heel tactic, right? You grab the belt, you're trying to hit the dude in the face with the belt. Instead, he gets caught with the belt, tosses it, you hit your finish. Like that's a total heel thing to it do. Is, but I thought he was already a heel. Like I thought it was almost a face turn at the end here in in a roundabout way. Well, because because Breeze was kind of working heel for a lot of the match as well, or at least he was working way more aggressive than we've ever seen him work so it it could lead you to easily believe that he was working more heelish and i feel i feel like i'm on a professor rant all right no 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 don't go on professor rants here Uh -uh. Uh -uh. ain't gonna happen what what dream grabs the belt (laughs) what tyler gets the belt what the referee ends up with the belt what Dream hits his finish. What? And you fucking che- fans cheer yeah. this? Like, what the hell is wrong with the NXT well, universe? This is everything that's wrong with professional. Boo the goddamn bad guy. Yeah. Jesus, NXT he's trying to problem. hit the man in the head with a freaking belt, and you cheer the finish. 
No, you were supposed to boo Velveteen Dream. Tyler gets over as a babyface, and this program continues. But the way these fans responded to it, they had to do this stupid sign of respect at the end of it. It screws up the whole goddamn program going forward. Now I don't even want to see this match again. I want to see him as a tag team. And that was not the intended result. It shouldn't have been. Boo the fans. Boo the fans. Boo, you know what? NXT has this problem, and I'm I'm so guilty of it, it too. It drives me I've, nuts. I went to NXT New York. I actually wasn't New York. It was Brooklyn Four. I'm thinking of anyway. Where there was, I found myself just like screaming, cheering for Shayna Baszler, and I'm like, I'm doing it. Why the fuck am I doing this? <laughs> like I couldn't help. What it. What is wrong with me? Like I'm listening to this place pop like crazy for Adam Cole yeah, at the end of the against night. Against Gargano too, who's like, like the baby face. Like it, this is the closest thing we've seen to. And I was joking about Bo Dallas being Ricky the Dragon Steamboat on Wednesday, but Johnny Gargano is the closest thing. We've got to drinking the Dragon Steamboat in the modern era, and just a 50-50 split at best at NXT TakeOver New York. I can tell you it was 80-20 to start the match. Cole to Gargano. People were going apeshit for Cole. This has been a this has been rough. I mean, it, it's over now for, for Gargano's title reign, as I've already spoiled for the night, and we'll get into it eventually, but there, there was an element of like, man, this title reign blew. I forgot he was the champion for a few weeks. Yeah. Johnny disappointment. Yes, so. All right. Well, we got the two title matches to talk about, but before we do, Damian Priest vignette. So this is uh, Punishment Martinez. He's now going to be Damian Priest. Uh, I I don't really have much thoughts on this. He was getting tattoos. It was black and white and red all over. Your thoughts? Um. <clears throat> Ooh, actually, I'm sorry. Let me hop in real quick. This is Baron Corbin all over again. Now your thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Baron Corbin with a lower ceiling, yeah. I'm afraid. He doesn't have half um, the charisma that Baron Corbin does. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I completely no? disagree with that. I, I, I think he has the same amount of charisma that Baron Corbin does, and he can work unlike Baron Corbin. The, I think the problem with punishment is going to be he is not a WWE guy. He is a professional wrestler. And I think that's going to be a real problem. They're going to want him to be Baron Corbin, mm-hmm. and he's going to be like, why would I do that? That's stupid. Actually, he would be like, why would I do that? Yeah. That is stupid. <laughs> he's got that Prince Loki voice kind of thing going on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. And I, I, I just, I, I, I know Lewis. I like Lewis. And I don't see him putting up with this bullshit for too long. I'm just gonna put it that. Yeah, I've never, I've never saw him as having a very high ceiling in NXT for for a lot of those reasons in particular. I've, I've also never been a, a huge fan, but hey, I can always be proven wrong. We'll see where Damian Priest goes. I could see Damian Priest being, you know, working with Alistair Black at somewhere, maybe in a year or two. I think that'd be an interesting pairing. Um, not even necessarily as a tag team, as almost like an evil two dudes with attitude kind of gimmick. That'd be that'd be cool. The, the the problem there becomes, does Alistair Black really need muscle? Maybe. Maybe. Why not? Kick it up a notch. You can always... Well, at, at this point, maybe he could use the muscle to kick down Vincent Kennedy McMahon's door and be like, Hey, can I have a wrestling match? Yeah, it's good shit, pal. It makes you you. Good it's shit. kind of shit that makes you you. Yeah, yeah. I... Go out and do that crazy voodoo. <laughs> Oh, I love that Vince is actually every bit as crazy as Hami and Cezius. Anyway, uh, actually, there was another little announcement that we had here before we get into these matches. NXT TakeOver, NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff. It's a fucking mouthful, but it's happening August 31st. 
that's going to be pretty fun. NXT TakeOvers, it's, it's a ways away. Mm-hmm. I, I was really hoping that it would be coming up a little bit sooner than that. But Click, click, boom, shots fired. What day is all out? Oh, is it, the, is it the same day? It's the same wow. day. Wow. Wow. I didn't even put that together. But yeah, that's right. It's right around that time. Makes sense. The poor UK brand getting getting kind of thrown to the wolves there. I, I feel bad for them. They're good, but they ain't that good. Let's face it. I'm I'm just not a big. This is why we have Joe Atherton on on hitting the marks. You're not, being, you're not into the, the UK. Chairs. I'm just I'm not into the UK style. It's just like a an artistic taste, kind of like. And Joe doesn't like Japanese wrestling. So I wonder if there's something between British strong style and Japanese strong style that are just like, you know, kit and cat and they don't like each other. It could very well be. Although it does seem to work so well together. Like I can watch Suzuki wrestle Zack Sabre Jr. like all day, every day or something along those lines. That'd be great. So can I. And I I love Zack Sabre Jr. and I love Marty Skrull and I love Osprey, but I can't watch like a complete card of it. Like I, I I need it mixed up. There was some, there was some. Yeah, I guess there's an element of that, but yeah, they had a, the like Ono and Jack Gallagher had like a fantastic fucking just wrestling match this week on NXT UK, and I was like, wow, we just don't get that anymore. And then of course they had one exactly like it on NXT with Kushida. It was very interesting. Um, all right, now I'm way off topic. Kushida's flat. Yeah, that's that's what that, I'm getting the impression it from. It feels so dead. Even even Strangler Steve's been like, dude, I'm not getting it, and I'm like, ah. I, I can't defend it. I, I love, love Kushida. Kushida. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like I can't put my finger on it, but he's fantastic. We just need to build to it, I guess. I don't know. They have to tell his backstory. Yeah, they have to give me something, or just or a DeLorean. Fuck it. Like just go give me the lowest mean, common denominator. <laughs> he's the Japanese Johnny Gargano. Like True. this kid. Like there's literally video footage of Kushida winning a cardboard belt from a teddy bear when he was four. Awesome. Like, I've seen the video footage. That's what we need in order for Kushida to get over. Because just wrestling alone isn't going to do it. WWE There's too much good wrestling. needs to do some investments into some attractive female Japanese translators. I think that's what we need. Charismatic, well, attractive Japanese female translators. Well, you know, I hear uh, Paige is a good mouthpiece. Oh, but um, Beautiful. All right. Let's, let's move on from that terrible joke. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It was hilarious. But Shayna versus EO for the NXT women's title. We'll just While we're on the subject of women, let's move right over to this prestigious title in the world of professional wrestling. Two of the best doing it right now. Shayna Baszler, EO Shirai. I love Shayna's Goldberg UFC style entrance. Love that shit. Uh, we get some head games going on early on. Shayna kind of messing with EO's head. EO retorting. And then Candice comes out with a kendo stick that is bigger than her. It looked ridiculous. It was fucking <laughs> ridiculous. It looked like Braun Strowman grabbing Candice LeRae by the ankles. That's basically what we were looking at here. Um, but then we get EO ultimately tapping out to a, a, a prolonged Kirafuta clutch that she was sunk into that shit for a while. And then... It felt like it was burying the move it was on so It was. Long. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, we've seen women tap way earlier, but I, I guess maybe we can get the, the EOs a little bit tougher than your average bear kind of thing. Um, and then EO snaps at the end, attacks Sheena with the kendo stick, and hits a moonsault with the chair... And the crowd chants, you deserve it. Good for them on that one. They finally booed the bad guys. No! What do you mean, no? What did Shayna do to deserve She's it? She's Shayna Baszler. She beat her clean no, in the middle evil. of the ring. She'll come out next week and beat her up with all three of her friends. 
It's like MJF. She's better than you and you know it. And that's the only reason that you hate Shayna Baszler is because she's so freaking good that not only can she choke out Io Shirai, she can pull Io Shirai's hair out of her face so you can see the facial expression on it as she's going to sleep. Shayna Baszler is fantastic. She didn't deserve it. All she did was win the damn match. Screw you fans in Bridgeport. This is why it was called TakeOver 25 and not take over Bridgeport. <laughs> you do not deserve to be acknowledged. She most definitely deserves it. She's a terrible, terrible person. And yes, she may have won this match clean. Yes, she might be the best women's wrestler, but she's a goddamn bully, Michael Jargo, and we don't take kindly to that kind around here. Yeah, yeah, it's the United States of America. We don't take well the successful winners. That's true. We don't like successful win- winners who are kind of bullies. They're, they're, they're not popular. There's polls and stuff. Um, <laughs> I was a little disappointed in this match, really? Bello. I got to be completely honest. And, and the reason I was disappointed is because of February 23rd, 2017, which I'm pretty sure was Shayna Baszler's last match at stardom. Ooh where Io Shirai defeated her. I thought that was a much better match. I kind of expected something even bigger. Like, I had it built up in my head so far after seeing that match, and it just fell short for me. Like, True. It was fine. I didn't see that match, but I can uh, almost just the, the way that they book Shayna in NXT is that I can I can almost guarantee they didn't book it the same way because they book Shayna Baszler no. matches as Shayna Baszler matches. They are all not exactly the same, but they are all formulated around ultimately leading to the submission you know doing doing all of the manipulation that she does with the elbows and all that kind of stuff it's the same pattern every time they even teased um the the roll-up on the kirifuda clutch that eo kind of countered with which she's been beaten by twice in the past by ember moon and by Kyrie saying the same way so i thought that was kind of interesting that they, they now are at the point where they're just teasing that as a thing and whether or not that could be the way that she ultimately loses but yeah shana shana's just fantastic I, I i was hoping that she would retain i was hoping that she retained in new york which thankfully she did unfortunately she didn't stack all three of them on top of one another which i was kind of hoping for but you know beggars can't be choosers i guess and uh, she, she's she's rolling along here where do you see Shayna baszler going now we talk about this all the time a who is she who is going to beat her and b when she goes up you know obviously probably right after she loses this title are the other horsewomen going with her or is there an element of this where they're holding on to her until the two of them might be ready for the main roster? Well, I think that's the hope. And I, I, I think you could have I, tomorrow you could do the Iconics versus Shafir and Duke. And it would be believable that Shafir and Duke would beat the Iconics because the Iconics are terrible professional wrestlers. So I, I, I can buy you into that if Iconics that's the direction alone, they want to go. Well, there. Dude, I love oh, the gimmick. Iconic. I I love the gimmick. I love to look at them. I love to listen to them for about 15 seconds, and then I wish they'd <laughs> shut their mouths. I just think they're terrible professional wrestlers. They can't They can't wrestle, and it, that's okay because neither can Shafir and Duke. So that actually works out um, if that is the plan. Uh, I hope that they just bring up Baszler because Shafir and Duke are nowhere near ready. But then again, neither is Lacey Evans, and, you know, she's in a feud with Becky Lynch. So. Sure. And she is the number two on Raw. Like, she's justifiably in a feud with Becky Lynch because there's no one else on Raw. Like, I can't even think of anybody else that could challenge Becky Lynch at this point. It's only because she hasn't been defined down in the booking yet. Give it, like, three months. 
Absolutely. You know, that's inevitably what will happen. But and I feel the same way about Shayna Baszler. Like my biggest fear is Shayna Baszler going to Monday Night Raw and going 50 50 with Naomi for a month. Yeah. See, I think I think they're going to wait and they're going to pull the trigger on her if they do it soon. Like, I think she comes and she just stomps Becky Lynch and takes that belt like immediately. And I think that's kind of the route that they'll go. But I'm still curious about where. She leaves it here in NXT. Is it going to be Candice? Because she's kind of representing herself as building her way up to that. We've talked about this in the past. It should have been Dakota Kai. Maybe it will be Dakota Kai if and when Sheena, you know, can hold on to this. Getting to that Yeah, we're getting to a couple months away to where we should be seeing her again. And uh, that would be such a great story if they could get back to her ultimately and her taking this off of Sheena. And, you know, part of me wonders if they're holding on to it more so than they would, especially considering Ciampa, we lost him, and that was another great story that they were working on. I almost felt like Candice was kind of playing the Kyrie Sane role in this match. Like, that should have been yeah. Kyrie, but they called Kyrie up too soon, so they just kind of threw Candice in right, there. Right, so if, that's um, to me. If Candice isn't the next challenger, then that made no sense whatsoever. Then they should have had the Sashimi right. sisters come back or the, the Samurai Sorority or the Robert Kraft experience or whatever we're calling them. Like They could have come back and at least ran these two off just to make an appearance and people would have popped for it. Yeah, absolutely. I, as far as Shayna goes, I, I agree with you. I would go with Candace and I would do it at SummerSlam, the SummerSlam takeover. What is that Toronto this year? Yeah, it is Toronto. Yeah. I, so I would do it there. Um, I'm afraid that we're going to get EO and Shayna too. Uh, the way that the, after the match with EO snapping and the moonsault on the chair, just the look on Baszler's face as she's looking up the ramp as EO exiting was almost like, okay, now Sheena wants to beat your ass. She doesn't just want to beat you. She doesn't want to retain her title. Now Sheena wants to beat your ass. True. Yeah. It makes me wonder now if we kick this up a notch, does this become a no disqualification or a false count anywhere? How do, how does EO even begin to try to cancel out the other two in that sort of scenario? Cause Candace alone is definitely not going to be enough even if she has a Candace-sized kendo stick that she's wielding. It's almost like two people, kind of. Does EO work? Like, is EO working for the NXT universe? Or are we, like, we had Asuka, and then we had Kyrie Sane, and now it's EO, and it's, like, it's all the same person. It is kind of all the same person. I feel like as, as far as trajectory goes, EO's kind of starting off, I think, almost is almost not quite at the Asuka level, because Asuka started super high and then just never really came down, but... EO, I think, is is doing better than Kyrie was initially. Anyway, I think it's, I think it's something about as as awesome as Kyrie is. Like the pirate gimmick is just sort of silly at the end of the day, and it kind of takes away from how good she actually is in the ring. Whereas EO just comes out. She's the genius of the sky. She's a wrestler's wrestler. Everybody knows her um, from her work in Japan. Even people who don't really watch any of that sort of stuff, myself included. So, um, you know, I think I think it's it's working so far. My problem kind of was is that. I don't want Shayna to lose this belt. I don't think EO should be the one to take it from her. And so by having these two run up against one another, it's going to water her down long term. Yeah. And I, I feel like we've seen the Asuka title reign. We've seen the Kyrie Sane title yeah. reign. And it's like suddenly it, it feels like the NXT women's division is starting to turn into stardom. Like, do we really need an EO Sheree title reign at this point? Or do we need a bit more of a gap between Kyrie Sane and Io Shirai, which is kind of how I feel about it. I personally, I, I would go with Candice. It, I can't help but wonder if it wasn't for that neck issue, if they could have brought Kyrie or not Kyrie Sane, Io Shirai in when they wanted to originally. And oh, 
we, we can't bring her in. She's got this neck issue. Okay, let's go with Asuka. Mm-hmm. And then it was, okay, now let's go with Kyrie Sane. And now it's EO Sheree, where EO should have been the first one. And I can't help but wonder if the trajectory of all three of those women would have been different. Oh, it definitely would have been for sure. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that EO would have taken off as much then. It's kind of funny. It's almost like she's she's benefited from the two before them and that Asuka was so spectacular coming in and Kyrie kind of felt like a little bit of a of a lull in a way if if we're looking at all three of them as the same character which is how they're treated and then uh eo coming in kind of was almost like a return to normalcy it's like oh okay we've got this badass awesome uh japanese women's wrestler back not a, a silly girl who, who walks around with a you know like a ship's mast for or a ship's wheel for no reason um it uh, I, I don't even know what kind of ship that would attach to why why does she take it with her is this like old school like the you gotta take your steering wheel off your car what kind of neighborhood is she parking this boat in it's like Peter Pan. I guess so. I mean, shouldn't there be more boat? Where's the rest of the boat? She's just this tiny little, I don't know. Where's the boat? Where's the boat? The boat is at Raymond James Stadium where WrestleMania yes. is next year. They actually have a freaking pirate ship in that goddamn stadium. Hashtag Kyrie Mania. Make it happen, WWE. But you got to make her, Kyrie. you got to get her relevant between now and then. And then she's not off to a great start. Let's put it that way. I I do think EO has the highest ceiling of the three because she speaks the best English of the three, even though I think Asuka is the best wrestler of the three. I think you're, yeah, I think I completely agree with that sentiment. I also think she's the best looking of the three, so that doesn't hurt either. Yeah, well. (laughs) It's subject, subjective, don't get me wrong. Yeah, that's that's absolutely subject to taste and, yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, I'm just saying it yeah. doesn't hurt. At the end of the day, we'll have to get Robert Kraft's opinion yeah. on that. One. Yes, we will. We'll see if we can get him on the show, and uh, he'll, he'll he can address us. We can do fuck Mary kill with Robert Kraft and the uh, WWE Japanese women. Anyway, we were talking about not off to a great start in reference to Kyrie's main roster career. Not off to a great start in this match. Adam Cole and random rapper. What did you think about this entrance? <laughs> what the? <laughs> Why? Why would you do that? Uh, like, I was... like the Undisputed Era song is like, I, I, I really dig it. Like it's gotten to like NWO level for me now where it's like I could just kind of put it on its background tunes and it's like, yeah. And you always, no matter where it is in the song, you always hit the boom. boom. Yeah, always. I, you know, it's just I cool. I find myself humming it's just it. Cool. Uh, it's... And then they ruined it. With they just ruined random it. Random rapper no one's ever heard of. It didn't work for ROH, and it didn't work for NXT. No. Like I said, the only reason for this had to have been is that it was the third time we were hearing the damn music for the night. They wanted to do something. I don't know what else they could have. They could have just had a guy out there playing guitar. It would have been awesome. Way more awesome, as a matter of fact. Literally anybody playing a guitar would have been an improvement on all of this. But as if that wasn't irritating enough, then we get Johnny Gargano, who comes out in Captain Marvel gear. You know what? He fucking deserved to lose. Honestly, at that moment, I was turning. I was rooting for Adam Cole, where I'm almost always rooting for Johnny Gargano because that's what you do when Johnny Gargano's wrestling, is you fucking root for him. Well, you and all of Bridgeport, yeah. it seemed like, was pulling for Adam Cole. And when Johnny came out, it almost felt like he kind of got booed out of the building a little bit. Like, it, that. It, yeah. It, yeah, it was like, oh... Uh, uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut, not friendly to Johnny Gargano. Now, part of that could be uh, Huckleberry got a hold of me, and he's like, "This is Adam Cole's backyard," and I'm like, "They're in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Man. He's from Pittsburgh." And then I got to looking, and it's only like a three and a half hour drive. That's true. So yeah, the Northeast as uh, a whole kind of kind of has a hive mind when it comes to wrestling, kind of the whole area. But 
I, I don't know, man. I mean, what a testament to how great Tommaso Ciampa was as a heel that he rarely got treated like this. Don't get me wrong. He got his cheers and he deserved them at a certain degree to a certain degree. But it wasn't like this in any way, shape or form. And Adam Cole not only is trying to draw heat with himself, he's got a whole gaggle of goons with him. And all four of them can't draw enough fucking heat to even match what Tom, Tommaso Ciampa was at. Well, and. I have been waiting since Adam Cole left Ring of Honor for the Adam Cole babyface run, and we haven't got it yet. He he was poised for the Adam Cole babyface run when he got thrown out of the Bullet Club, and instead he left Ring of Honor, went to NXT, started the Undisputed he was Era, killed. and right, it's it's still been Swarmy Dick Adam Cole is is a, I've heard you refer yeah, no, to he's, him. He's Shooter McGavin Adam Cole now. We have been waiting for the Adam Cole babyface run for literally like three years at this point. I can I could see it. Actually, I thought we were gonna get it at the end of the night here because I, I it was so funny the way that they set it up in particular. So I mean, I've already mentioned it. Cole ends up winning this match. At the end, the undisputed era comes out. They put Cole up on their shoulders and they got um, Bobby Fish is walking around while he's kind of on O'Reilly and strong shoulders. And I immediately had flashbacks to the evolution turn. And I was like, holy shit, they're about to turn on Adam Cole right now. And he would be such a baby face. And given the, cr- the fucking reactions the guy gets, why not just lean into it? Like, let him roll by himself. Let Strong be the, the front man for the Undisputed Era. Maybe they get back together after this feud is, is over six months to a year from now. But if not, you, you do have the possibility to make, like, a really compelling Adam Cole babyface run going up against his, his friends that turned on him and looking perhaps for, you know, some, some partnerships from people who he's been a dick to in the past, and that could be really cool. Well, the, the only problem with your scenario is now playing the role of the villain Marty Skrull, a man who has arguably the most charisma in the entire business of professional wrestling. You have Roderick Strong, who has absolutely <laughs> zero personality. Say, That's like, why this theory does not work. If anybody was going to do it, it would have to be Kyle O'Reilly. So. Kyle O'Reilly well, would, is yeah. the clear number two they would share the... inside of the Undisputed Era. And I would love to see Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly. There's a lot of oh, history yeah. between those two guys. you know. It, but again, I don't see Kyle O'Reilly as leading a faction. And and that's the problem is Adam Cole is so freaking good in his role that they can't turn him babyface, even though he gets a babyface reaction, no matter where he goes. It's a real problem with the Adam Cole booking. And I don't you have to have somebody like Marty to take Undisputed Era from him. Oh, yeah, I think Marty's contract is up. Ooh, there you go. That'd be, that'd be interesting if that were to happen to him yet again. But the problem with Cole is that to make him a babyface, I guess it's not a problem because it's a simple solution in that you just have him be Adam Cole to heels and ultimately it just works. But you can't change anything about him. And, you know, and, and, and they'll. Wa- and if you thought he was a swarmy dick before, yeah. now he's got Goldie. And watch the fuck out, man, because I remember not. His first run with the Ring of Honor Championship, not his second run with the Ring of Honor Championship, his third run with the Ring of Honor Championship, because they realized after the first run and the second run that both times taking the title away from Adam Cole was a terrible idea. He is a great heel champion. 
but there's not a baby face on the roster that is going to get more cheers than Adam Cole, except maybe Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah, that could be interesting. Him coming back, he's Ciampa be... coming back for Goldie as a baby face. Because how how is Ciampa not going to be a baby face when he comes back? That place is going to come unglued. And then what? Then th- does Gargano turn on him for stealing all of his cheers? And fuck, oh my god, that story's never going to end. But it's all—it's always good. Well, let's talk about Sasha Banks. Let's talk about <laughs> Sasha, Sasha Banks, Banks here. All right? What does Sasha Banks have to do with it? Johnny Gargano is Sasha Banks. Uh-huh. Johnny Gargano wins a title and he loses it on the first defense. That's fine. Just like yeah, Sasha but Banks. It's not just like Sasha Banks because Sasha Banks, they do it too because they just, I guess they have no faith in her. With Gargano's case, he is like, he is the quintessential white meat sympathetic baby face. So all of the money is in the chase with him. And for him losing the title quickly like that, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And there's a lot of precedent for it historically in wrestling. But with, with Sasha Banks, it's just that I, I just don't think they want to run with her long term in any given way because she's probably a head case. Well, and number two, she's a terrible baby face. That's, yeah, that there's definitely something to be said about that. Actually, I'm glad you mentioned Sasha, because all throughout this main event, uh, commentary kept talking about how the last match between these two was like the greatest main event in NXT history, because Dave Meltzer said so, and it absolutely must be true. And it kind of irritated me, because I didn't think it was all that great of a match. It was great, don't get me wrong, but there's other great main events. I don't even think it was the best match on that card, but what was your thoughts on it? Was that the best main event in NXT history? Is this now the best main event in NXT history? Because I enjoyed this match more than I enjoyed the last one. No, I think clearly the best match in NXT history is Gargano and Ciampa won. Okay, was that New Orleans? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see. I could give it to Gargano and Almas just because as far as pure wrestling matches go, that was just... I, I couldn't I still go nuts for it, but there have been some great main events in NXT history. I thought the rude Nakamura match the first time around was fantastic. Going all the way back to Neville versus Zayn uh, when it was career versus title, and then Kevin Owens ultimately turned. That was a great main event as well. DIY versus AOP in Chicago. Sasha versus Bailey, the Iron Woman match. And I think that's pretty much all the big ones other than these two Gargano versus Cole matches. But yeah, I just didn't, I thought they, they kept saying it as if that was like a given. And I can, I could definitely make the argument for other matches over that one. Hey, Jersey, shut up. No, I can hear Jersey Mike yelling at me from here. Oh, I thought you were yelling at I'm, 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 like the whole state of New Jersey. Okay, sorry. Go on. No, no, Jersey Mike. I can hear him yelling at me from here. Sasha Banks versus Bailey was not the main event. No, Shut no, up. Sasha Banks versus he- Bailey was the main event at NXT TakeOver no, Respect, the Iron Woman match, the second one. Oh, no, no, I'm talking about Sh- or, or New yes, York. Brooklyn 2. Because that's the no, match Brooklyn that everybody one. talks yeah. about. Everybody talks about that match, and that's the greatest match in NXT history. It was not the main it event. It was not the main event. So Jersey Mike, shut up, because I can hear him bitching about it if he's listening to the show, which he's probably not because I'm on it, and fuck you. I just, I'll just i give the, the nod to the Iron Woman match because they made a nine-year-old girl cry in the process of making a bunch of 30-year-old men laugh. thought it was fucking brilliant, honestly. <laughs> and then they took that girl, and they turned her baby face. Yeah. Inexplicably, they turned her baby face. It's true. And then Izzy turned heel. Did you hear about this? She, she was cutting promos as yes. a heel somewhere out on the indie scene. She embraced her inner Alexa Bliss. It's, it's interesting. The, the, the rise of uh, of Izzy versus Bailey WrestleMania 50 is going to be mind-blowing. It's just a matter it of really time, is. right? Yeah. She'll be, she'll be wrestling Monroe Sky Mizanin for the Intercontinental title at some point even farther down the line. Women's wrestling's in good hands, folks. <laughs> Back to Adam Cole. 
you, you, you brought up the biggest problem with Adam Cole. Uh, the biggest problem with Adam Cole is he's all of about five foot eight. It's true. Yeah, he's he's not a big dude. If he was six foot three, he would be no. the 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 universal world heavyweight champion of the intercontinental universe. If he was even, yeah, I mean, if he was even six feet tall, they can at least give him like a serious, serious push. That's why I've, it's always kind of bothered me that he was teamed with Strong and with Fish and O'Reilly. Like I get all the history and all the you know, the camaraderie that they have going on. But I feel like Adam Cole needs big goons, like big muscle dudes to do all the work for him. And I think that he could go a long way with that. And I don't know if he's ever really had that really at any point. Uh, no, it started off his goons were uh, Mike yeah, Bennett. Kingdom, right? Yeah. yeah, Mike Bennett and Matt Taven. And, and I mean, both of those guys were the muscle for Adam Cole because they're both bigger than Adam Cole. Is he? Mike Kanellis. 205 Live, yeah. Mike Kanellis. Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm saying. he's bigger Give than Adam somebody Cole. larger like, than that and, uh, you know, something along those lines. If Mike Kanellis is your backup, there, there, there are some real problems there. Unless you're Carl Anderson. Yeah, well, Maria did Just, the most damage by distracting people. That was, I mean, she was the most effective member of that group, let's face it. <laughs> Man, if you want to talk about seven-second dance parties, watching Maria Kanellis and Carl Anderson yes. go to seven-second dance parties in Japan was some of the best shit I've ever seen. That's good when shit! When is the hashtag MeToo movement going to come for the New Japan cameramen? Because they gave they gave uh, Maria Kanellis some colonoscopies on occasional. <laughs> it, was, it was some interesting uh, sort of rapey shit going on over there. <laughs> Stop. They do the same thing with Mihoabe, and I thoroughly enjoy okay. it. Well, fair enough, then. Uh, do we have anything else on this main event? Because I do have one more question before we go ahead and get on out here. No, I don't think so, man. It's just Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano had another great match. Yeah. Like, we're so spoiled by great wrestling in 2019 that these guys can go out and have a hell of a, like, four-star match. And we're just like... Yeah, that was a good match. And, you know, yeah, it was a, a four out of five takeover, you know, just, you know, kind of the, the standard flash in the pan takeover. You know, they just went out and knocked it out of the park yeah. and had a great show. That's what I was I was trying to decide at the end of the night. Was this a great takeover or was this a meh takeover or is a meh takeover still a great takeover? Because they're all great. They're just all great. There's nothing. To, to, I mean, you can not like one match. You can not like an outcome. But at the end of the day, to make a, like a massive complaint about any of these cards would just be ridiculous. <laughs> and I think a lot of other companies should take note. Because this is a perfect example of less is yes. more. This five match, two and a half, three hour setup is freaking perfect rather than going out there and doing a five, six, seven, eight hour show. Also like five with, times a year at most, you know, like not once every month. Right. Oh. And I mean, AEW was guilty of it. That was like a five hour show. You could have cut two hours out of double or nothing, and it would have been a better show. Easily. And that's one thing that TakeOver has going for it every time. Maybe they'll do that once they get TV. You know, like, then it's sort of the upper echelon makes the pay-per-view card. They'll do some pre-show shit, like, for, for guys that just want to work the night or whatever. But, um, the, you know, I think with the first show of the of the promotion or whatever, you want to try and get as many bodies out there as possible for people to get to know them. But uh, so th this was the 25th takeover. Uh, obviously, it was not takeover Bridgeport, as you've mentioned a couple times here. Do you have any favorites? Do you have a favorite takeover overall now that we've hit 25? Um, For personal reasons, Chicago 1 and Chicago right, 2 you were there. are just awesome. Um, But to be completely objective, 
it's got to be Brooklyn one. I, th- that first Brooklyn takeover was absolutely incredible. But my dark horse would be Takeover Toronto. Ooh. I thought Takeover Toronto was a really good That's show. That's funny you should mention that. So yeah, for for personal reasons as well, I've been to all five of the takeovers at Brooklyn. So I've been blessed to be at at, at a fucking you know twenty percent of all the takeovers ever. It's pretty awesome. Uh, but the first one definitely. I also got to go to the NXT panel earlier in the day, so I got to see tri- Triple H and Balor and Owens and Rollins and all those guys like up close and personal. As they did kind of like a little press conference. And then TakeOver Brooklyn 5 or TakeOver New York was just like that card was ridiculous. And looking back on it, it was just it was it was a pleasure to be there. Other notable ones, uh, New Orleans, Toronto. I had Toronto as well. I really I came out of Toronto like, whoa, what the fuck did I just watch? And do I love pro wrestling again? Because it was just like it yeah, was one of those shows. Absolutely. Um, Chicago 1 and 2, Dallas um take over our evolution the kevin owens show the first ever kevin owens show and then uh london as well two excellent women's matches on that card sleeper pick for those of you out there so anybody looking to go back to the best takeovers i think those are them anyway michael jargo thank you for joining me i guess it's not even you're not even joining me we we've joined together in a non-homosexual fashion to join to make hitting the next level we're like voltron i guess to take billy ray's line as he likes to always throw that out there but here we are we're at the end of the show. Do you have anything else to say to the people about TakeOver or about where we can find you in general? Uh, you can find me across all social media at NotJargo. You can find the Hitting the Marks podcast network. That's right. We got our own network now. We got other stooges working for us over at HittingTheMarks.com. You can catch me and Huckleberry Monday in the locker room. We're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff, man. There's two Ring of Honor shows. There's a New Japan show. We've got the, the Best of Super Juniors final coming up. John Moxley dropped another like two-part interview with Wade Keller earlier today that's like another like 85 minutes worth of John Moxley burying the WWE <laughs> I'm sure that, that we're going to be talking about that I mean I'm loving it like all of a sudden Dean Ambrose is dead and John Moxley is the biggest professional wrestling star in the freaking world. He's wrestling Pentagon Jr. in NEW. He's going to go kill Juice Robinson. He's filming movies on a freaking set. It's just, it's great stuff, man. I did, uh, I, I had a little story that I picked up on that I thought you would have an appreciation Ooh, for. Right. He, he says that Dusty Rhodes thought that he was the coolest guy on the face of the planet. And Vince McMahon thought that he was an idiot. And he lays out this, like, how Dusty Rhodes thought that Dean Ambrose should debut on the main roster, right? And it's like this smoky room, like, kind of bar yeah, he's thing. Like, he's got to like, pick this James Dean. James Dean Ambrose. Right. <laughs> right. If you go and you watch the Time's Up vignette that has been teasing John Moxley coming to New Japan Pro Wrestling, it's that promo. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, to a freaking tea i also thought that it was hilarious that if you listen to the first interview with jericho and he talks about that prison thing that he shot that they shot it on a movie lot in los angeles and there's also like a courtroom and and there's like the prison and there's this bar and like he goes through all of them and it's like you motherfucker you shot that new japan promo in fucking february at the same time you shot that prison promo Oh man, him him going nuts in New Japan is going to be very very fun. Yeah, John Moxley. I I said it like jokingly a couple of weeks ago, like completely sarcastically. I was like, John Moxley is going to change professional wrestling. God damn it, John Moxley might change professional wrestling. There's something about a guy 
who has like there's no basement for him. He's got every like I mean if you just hear him in the conversations, he's got a hot wife, he's got a house, his mom's house is paid off, his truck is paid off. Like he's just got a clean slate, he can do whatever the fuck he wants, and there's just something really cool and interesting about a guy like that being out there right now. There's also something very, very wrong with a guy who would register himself for the G1 climax, knowing full damn well that you could have John Moxley versus, versus Minoru Suzuki. Suzuki. That match could very, very possibly happen. And the world benefits for it. But the fact that that is actually somebody's idea of a good time <laughs> is terrifying to me. There will be years taken off of both of their lives and possibly ours for just watching that match. Just for the sake of our entertainment. My God. Oof. What a time to be alive. It really, really is. Who knew? I said it. I said it. I've been saying it since I ever started podcasting. By 2021, wrestling will be the new cool hip thing again, just like it was at the end of the 90s. We might be perfectly on track for just that. Or we could be on track for a complete collapse of the entire thing, you know, because... When I look at the WWE and you take away the TV money and you take away the Saudi Arabia money, that company is in real trouble. And what is AEW if not the WWE without the TV money and the Saudi Arabia money? It's true. This does have a potential to ruin maybe everything, but I don't know. I'm trying to be optimistic about this, goddammit. Sorry to shit in your yeah, Cheerios. Don't, don't shit my Cheerios. I don't. I'm like John Moxley. And uh, you're like Juice Robinson, and you just found out that you have to defend the IWGP United States Championship against me. Ha <laughs> ha! Good luck! Yeah, yeah it's not going to go well for poor Juice. It's probably going to go about as well as it did when he faced Owens for the first time, and, except, you know, maybe maybe he won't break Moxley's nose. Did we ever see Dean Ambrose versus CJ Parker? I don't believe so. They, they kind of, I think they passed one another in the, like two ships in the night. I'd like to compare those two matches if that match ever happened. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure this will be very different from that one, even if it ever took place. But it's going to be one for the memory books. Poor Juice. R.I.P. in advance. And just, yeah, I'll do one of those anyway. Death Juice. You know, there is a, there is a positive note. What is that? Juice Robinson has friends. Does he? A couple of, a couple of years ago. Like on DVD? Juice Robinson was in World Tag League, and his uh, tag team partner was Sammy Callahan. And they were Team wow. Death Juice. Death Juice. Ooh, okay, that can make things interesting. I, I, that's if, that's if, one of those things I'm really looking forward to. If we could somehow, to. yeah, if we could somehow get Sammy Callahan versus John Moxley in New Japan Pro Wrestling for the like, IWGP United States Championship, I firmly support yeah, that. I'm waiting for those two to link back up because it's only a matter of time before they they join forces or fight each other or something. So it's gonna it's gonna be a fucking hell of a time. He's from Ohio, after all. Dean Ambrose and OVE. He's it's got some serious potential. From Ohio. By Ohio. For Ohio. And they're taking over everything? Everything. Everything. Anyway. Everything. <laughs> That's it for hitting the next level right here on HackerHowMean.Podbean.com. I, of course, have been your resident god of thunder, the Andrew Bellow. You can find me on Twitter at BellowBeingBellow. You can find me right here on HowMean Media doing the Wednesday Locker Room and the Next Level Wrestling Podcast. And the Cancel This Political Podcast, I'll be doing one of those tomorrow, and then it'll be up on the Hacker Hameen feed whenever Billy Ray gets around to it, and or I remember to send it to him. That was my bad last week. Anyway, you got anything else to say before we send it home? 
Saudi Arabia. Sounds like the perfect ending. Catch you next time. Peace.